guys, welcome to Trinity Church Online. For more information, please visit us at ourtrinity.org or you can find us on Facebook at Trinity Church of Wheat Ridge or even on Instagram at Trinity Church CO. No matter where you are today, we are glad that you have joined us here. We want to continue this morning in the series that we've looked at in 2 Timothy. We've entitled this series, The Charge of the Gospel to the Next Generation. We're ready for study number three to be able to guard the gospel, part two, chapter one. Now, last time we were together, we looked at Paul's greeting. We looked at his thanksgiving and also his exhortation. But today we're going to be looking at the principal theme of this first chapter. And that is the charge that was given to Timothy. Timothy was not to be ashamed of the gospel, but rather to be able to guard it and to keep it safe. So not to be ashamed of the gospel, but to guard it and keep it safe. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning with verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed. There's our word. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I also was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, For this reason I also suffer these saints, nevertheless I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep, and that word is the word guard, by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Let's bow together. Guarding this gospel. It needs those who will guard it. Keep it safe. Lord, that's this generation's responsibility to then hand it off to the next generation. Unlike Timothy, we're not to be ashamed of this gospel, but to guard it. So Lord, as we open up this beautiful letter to Timothy, realizing that that Paul is languishing away in some dark prison in Rome, Nothing awaits him but death. So he gives this charge. And it's a charge that has resonated down through the centuries. It's a charge that we must now pick up and run with. That we would not be ashamed of the gospel. But that we might guard it with our very life. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first charge we're going to look at here is that he was not to be ashamed of the gospel. And there are three things 
that Timothy was not to be ashamed of. First, he was not to be ashamed of the name of Christ. We see that in verse 8, to whom he was called to bear witness. So he was not to be ashamed of the one he was called to bear witness of, and that's the name of Christ. He was also not to be ashamed of the people of Christ in verse 8, to whom he belonged. We're not to be ashamed of the people that we belong to who name the name of Christ. And third, he was not to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ in verse 8, which was entrusted for him to spread. So that which he was entrusted to spread and bring forth, he was not to be ashamed of it. So guarding the name of Jesus, guarding the people of Jesus, guarding the gospel of Christ, that's going to bring opposition. And people are not only going to oppose the message, they're going to oppose the messenger. So if you're going to guard this gospel, your message will be opposed. And if you're going to guard this gospel, you also will be opposed. So we're tempted, I think, today to be ashamed of this gospel, to be ashamed of the people of this gospel, to be ashamed of the gospel itself. But Paul had taken a stand for his own life. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God into salvation to everyone who believes. And I want us to remember the warning of Jesus about this. Let's go back to Mark. If you've got your Bibles this morning, turn back to Mark, the 8th chapter, Mark chapter 8. We want to look at verse 38. Mark 8. 38. And I want you to underline this word ashamed. For whoever is ashamed, there's our word again, for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. How many of you think that we're living in a sinful and adulterous generation, right? Now, notice this. Does this apply to today? He says, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him, the Son of Man, will be ashamed when he comes into his glory with his Father and with his holy angels. So at the coming of Christ, if we've been ashamed of Christ, if we've been ashamed of the people of Christ, if we've been ashamed of the gospel of Christ, he will be ashamed of us when he comes to receive us to himself. Now, I didn't say that. Pastor Ed didn't say that. Jesus said it. So we are to be more sensitive to this than we many times are. We tend to kind of readily dismiss the gospel. We give in to the pressure of those who oppose it. We deny it many times, or we don't speak up to defend it. And we can become like these reeds that are just shaken in the wind. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, just tolerate, just let it go. We need to start learning not to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So that's the question this morning. Are you ashamed of the gospel? So Paul begins to explain about this gospel to which Timothy is not to be ashamed. And he lays out first the main features of this gospel in verses 9 to 10. And then he lays out our responsibility in relationship to this gospel in verses 11 through 18. So this becomes the double theme of the rest of the chapter here. First, God's gospel. And second, our response and responsibility to that gospel. So that brings us to the second charge. And that is that we have to guard the gospel. We must guard the gospel. Look at verses 9 and 10. It says it's not to be ashamed. Why? Because 
this gospel who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now, this gospel has to be guarded because it is simply God's gospel. It's the good news of salvation. And that good news of salvation has to be guarded or it will be lost. So Paul is expounding that same gospel in this last letter of 2 Timothy. It's the same gospel that he expounded in his first letter of Galatians. It has not changed. Over some 30 years of ministry, that gospel has remained constant. And so this one gospel can never be altered. It can never be changed because if we lose it, We'll have no other gospel by which we can be saved. So if we lose this gospel, then we lose our salvation. We have no liberty then to alter or to change its substance. So then Paul begins to lay out the gospel's character. Then he lays out the source of this gospel and the ground of this gospel. And if we're going to ever guard this gospel, we're going to have to understand its character. We're going to have to understand its source. And we're going to have to understand the ground upon which it rests. Now notice this. First of all, Paul lays out here the character of the gospel of our salvation. Now character tells you what it is. What this gospel is that you're holding in your hands. Would you do that a minute? Just, just kind of hold this up. If you've got an electronic device, that's okay. This gospel, what is it? It is the good news of salvation. It is salvation. Now... That has to be guarded. Note three clauses here. In verse 9, it saved us. In verse 9, it called us. And in verse 10, it brought life. See, we cannot be saved. We cannot be called. We cannot be brought to life without this gospel because this gospel is that which brings salvation and calls us and brings life to us. So salvation is forgiveness. Salvation is holiness, and salvation is immortality, and there is no forgiveness, there is no holiness, there is no life after death without this gospel because there is no salvation. So God who saves us also calls us to a life of holiness now and to a life that is eternal in the future, all because of the salvation found in this gospel. So the gospel brings salvation. It brings forth the purpose of God. This is where he justifies and he sanctifies and he glorifies. He said, oh, what's the big words? You've got to understand these words because this is what salvation is. The gospel, that which you just held up a few minutes ago, it brings justification. That means he pardons our offenses and he accepts us as righteous in the sight of Christ. So he justifies us through this gospel. There is no justification without it. And this gospel brings our sanctification, where we are progressively transformed and by his Spirit into the image of Christ. There's no transformation to the image of Christ. There is no sanctification without this gospel. He sanctified us. And this gospel is glorification. We're going to become like Jesus with a new resurrection body 
in a new heaven and a new earth because he glorifies us. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have been justified, declared righteous in Christ? If you are a believer and you've accepted Christ, this gospel has already justified you. You stand righteous in Christ. Now, how many of you are sanctified or in the process of being sanctified, of being set apart into God? You, you all are if you come to faith in Christ. Now, how many of you have been glorified? Trick question, none of you have been glorified yet. But that's our hope because of this gospel that we're going to be changed and transformed. So see, folks, this is why we've got to guard this gospel. We've got to guard the character of what it is. It is our salvation. If we lose the gospel, we lose our salvation. There will be no justification, no sanctification, no glorification. So we must guard those things. You with me so far? Are you with me so far? Okay. Just I want to make sure you're alive out there. So Paul lays out the source of our gospel. The source of the gospel of salvation. Now source tells you where it comes from. Where the salvation comes from. It comes from the gospel and it comes from God. Now, where does this great gospel of salvation come from? Look at verse 9. Come from verse 9. Not according to our works. We didn't begin it. We didn't start it. We didn't originate this gospel or this salvation. Notice a little phrase here. Before time began. The source came from the only one who was back there when time began, and that was with God. Now, stop and think about this. This was already in the mind of God before you were ever born. It's not our own works. It was his purpose. It was his design. And our salvation depends ultimately upon God, upon his purpose and upon his grace towards us, not ourselves. So see, we got to guard the source of this gospel. Not only the character of it, that it's our salvation, but we must guard the character, the source of this gospel, and its sources that it came from God. If we lose this gospel, then we've lost what God has given to us. Third, Paul lays out the ground of this gospel. Now, the ground tells us what it rests upon, what it relies upon. Now, what does the gospel rely upon? What does this salvation rely upon? It relies upon the gospel. It all is intertwined. Our gospel and our salvation rest firmly on the grounded work of Christ. And that gospel, that grounding, we have to guard it and defend it. Look at verse 10. This gospel rests first upon on what Christ has done. He has abolished death. You see that? This gospel is founded on and rests upon Christ's finished work of abolishing our death. Now, death summarizes our human predicament because of sin. And I want to tell you, folks, there's three deaths. You're going to experience three deaths. You think about just one. No, you're going to experience everyone here is going to experience three deaths. Number one is physical death. Everybody, oh, the, when the heart stops or when this happens. No, I'll tell you when death happens. Physical death happens when the body and the soul are separated. As soon as your body and soul are separated, that's death. That is physical death. Now, your soul, if you're a believer, is going to go immediately to the presence of God, but your body is going to remain in the ground until the resurrection. Now, if you're an unbeliever here today and you've not come to faith in Christ, your body is going to go into the grave, into the wherever, cremation, wherever it's at, but your soul is going to go to the place of the wicked dead waiting for the resurrection as well. 
physical death, separation of body and soul. Now here's spiritual death, and some of you may be experiencing spiritual death today. That is the separation of the soul from God, because the moment you come to faith in God, your spirit, which was dead, comes alive, and so now you are related to God because your spirit is alive towards God. So spiritual death is a separation when that spirit has never come alive and you remain dead in your spirit towards God. So we've got physical death, we've got spiritual death, there's eternal death. Eternal death is where you have the separation of the body and the soul eternally from God. Some of you here may experience all three. Some of you will only experience two. And I hope you're in the group that will only experience two of those. You with me? So this is what Christ defeated. This is what he overthrew. Death by overcoming its source, which is sin. Now, this gospel not only rested upon what Christ had done in this death, but it also brings life. You see that in verse 10? Not only did it abolish death, this gospel, which you hold in your hand, is the only thing that will bring life. Our gospel rests upon that life, and we must guard that life by his death and his resurrection. You've got to understand this, folks. By his death and resurrection, he abolished death. But I want to tell you, his death and resurrection does not bring us to new life. That might shock you. His death and resurrection abolished death and the penalty of our sin. But it is this gospel that brings life that is eternal. Without this gospel, even though Christ might have died to abolish death, you will never be able to appropriate it or never experience it or never have life, new life, if you don't have a response to this gospel. See, this gospel is what God has revealed to man and made available to man. Abolishing of death, abolishing of your punishment of, of death, paying the penalty of it, and giving you new life. As John Stott put it for the Christian, it's not R.I.P., rest in peace, but C.A.D., Christ abolished death. So see, we got to guard the ground of this gospel. What it rests upon, which is Christ's finished work. That brings us to the third thing. You staying with me today? The third thing, the third charge here, a challenge is, is this, that our gospel, our duty to this gospel, we have to keep it safe. Our duty is to keep it safe. Look at verses 11 through 18. See, he's talking about that which abolished death and brought life, this gospel. Verse 11, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I believed, I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him until that day. Hold fast. Keep safe. The pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. The good thing which was committed to you. Keep guard by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Now your first duty in regard to this gospel is the same duty that Timothy had. And that is to receive it and then to live by it. So every one of us have this responsibility to receive this gospel and then to live by this gospel. But that's not the end of it. 
Once we have received it, once we begin to live it, what is our duty towards the gospel after we've embraced it? Paul gives us three answers here. Number one, we must communicate the gospel. Look at verse 11. I'm appointed at a preacher, an apostle, a teacher. Now, what are we called to preach? Go to some churches, you'd never guess it was the gospel. What are we called to communicate? The gospel. How do we do that? By proclaiming its essence. How should they hear without the word? And how are they going to hear the word without a preacher or proclaimer? We must teach the doctrines of this word. Uh, People say it's all about love, it's not about doctrine. It's all about doctrine. It's all about proclaiming its essence. Because once you lose this gospel, you have no salvation. You understand how this all ties together? Then you have to live by the moral behavior which it presents to us. We have many Christians who say, yeah, I'm a believer. I believe in this gospel. But they're not living by the testimony of that word. Now, we may not all be preachers and teachers, but we're all to be communicators of this gospel. How are you communicating this gospel? How are you doing? Second, we must suffer for the gospel. Now, Derek's going to spend two weeks in the second chapter, uh, and that's the whole theme of that second chapter, suffering for the gospel. But look briefly at verse 12. That's our duty, to suffer for it. Verse 12 says, For this reason I suffer these things. Now, Paul's not asking anything of Timothy or of us that he's not prepared to experience himself. And folks, we cannot, we cannot, I'm going to say this over and over, we cannot mute the message for fear of suffering for it. Can I say that again? We cannot mute the message for fear of suffering for it. And we have a society today, we have a, a, a government today that wants to cancel out culture, wants to cancel out this word, wants to make it none effect. We cannot Mute it for fear of persecution and suffering for it. Why? Because I want to tell you what, the person without the gospel, they hate it. They hate to admit the gravity of their own sin and guilt. They hate it. They hate the complete helplessness to save themselves. They hate the necessity of God's grace by the cross, and they hate being indebted to the cross. They hate it. So if they hate it, the message, they're going to hate the messenger just as much. That's what Jesus said. They hate me, they're going to hate you. I don't think very many of us are really being hated for our message because our message isn't being told. We're keeping it to ourselves. We're hiding. We isolate ourselves. We get in our little Christian cloisters, and we're not out there. I tell you, if we were out there, we'd probably be arrested. Okay, you don't want to hear that. Number three, especially on Mother's Day, we must guard this gospel. That means you've got to hold it fast. That's our duty. It's our responsibility. Like Timothy in verse 13 We must follow the pattern of sound words which we have heard. Have you heard the sound words? You've got to follow them, just like Timothy. And in verse 14, we must guard the truth that has been entrusted to you. Are we 
Are we guarding it? Are we following it? Ah, I know I said, Pastor, we're just tired of you haranguing on us about what we're not doing. No, I'm assuming you are doing it. I'm assuming this is our challenge. Hey, it was a challenge to Timothy. It's a challenge to us. We can't just read these words and then go our way as if there's no impact on us. We have to guard this gospel or it will not be here for the next generation. And if we aren't willing to die for it, somebody's going to die for it. And if we aren't willing to go to prison for it, somebody will go to prison for it. Why do we think we in the United States are the only ones that aren't going to be martyrs? Why do we think we're not going to be the only ones that aren't going to be thrown to the lions or, 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 or burned for our... Why do we think we're so privileged in this country? We're spoiled. It's easy believism. I believe it as long as you don't ask me to live it and change lives by it. We have to guard that which has been deposited to us. When men, when God deposits in your life uh, that woman you fell in love with, the love of your life, you'll do everything to protect her. When you deposit something into your bank account, you'll do everything to try to protect that and not let anybody rob it. And yet here's the most precious thing that's ever been entrusted to us is gospel. Will we protect it with our life? Will we guard it, preserve it? Now, it's interesting because not only do we have to keep it at every cost, but we must preserve it. And the word here means against every corruption. Did you, did you understand that? Every corruption that comes against this book, everyone who tries to alter it, change it, water it down, we must guard against it with our life. Guard it faithfully. Spread it actively. Suffer bravely. Now reverse. Faithfully guard it. Actively spread it. Bravely suffer for it. This is the challenge. Guard faithfully. Spread actively. Suffer bravely. And this is not just our desire. It's our duty. We will all give account before God. Not for our sin, because that's been taken care of. You know what you're going to keep account for? How you've guarded the gospel. Have you guarded it? Have you spread it? Have you suffered for it? So are you... Ashamed of the gospel? You cannot be ashamed of the name of Christ. You cannot be ashamed of the people of Christ. And you cannot be ashamed of this gospel and ever hope to guard it. You'll never guard it if you're ashamed of it. So we must guard the character of the gospel, what it is. It's our salvation. We must guard the source of this gospel, where it comes from, which is God. We must guard the ground of our gospel, what it rests upon, the finished work of Christ, where he justifies, sanctifies, and glorifies us all through this gospel. It's our duty to receive it, 
It is then our duty to live it and then to keep it safe. Let's bow together. Father, this was no light charge to Timothy. This was life and death. This was, it was going to die there in Paul's cell or Timothy was going to take it and spread it. And right now, the church is in crisis, God. If we don't hand it off to the next generation, it will be gone. There'll be no salvation. That's what we'll stand before God about. Oh, God. This is not a light charge. We used to sing that old hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers. It is that. We are in a battle for the life and the souls of men. God, help us to rise up and guard this that you've deposited to us, that it will not die to us, us and no more, that someone, someone from my life will be handed this gospel and be changed by it. So, Lord, I just pray as we keep moving through this series on Timothy that you would challenge us and move us and help us not to be afraid for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God into salvation to everyone who believes. That Father, you would move us out of our timidity and our worry about what men are going to think, what society is going to think, of us being called a name. Father, we all want to be somehow popular and attractive and we don't want to stand out. It's time that we stand out. It's time that we're different. It's time that we offer an alternative to everything else around us. So, Lord, bring it home. This gospel is your very life. Help us to embrace it, live it, and guard it. In your name, amen.